Chapter Ten of South Sea Idols by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: A Canoe Cruise in the Coral Sea. If you can buy a canoe for two calico shirts, what will your annual expenses in Tahiti amount to? This was a mental problem I concluded to solve, and having invested my two shirts, I began the solution in this wise. My slender little treasure lay with half its length on shore, and being quite big enough for two, I looked about me, seeking someone to sit in the bows for company and ballast. Up and down the shady beach of Papiti I wandered, with this advertisement written all over my anxious face, wanted a crew about ten years of age, of a mild disposition, and with no special fondness for human flesh, not particular as to sex, apply immediately at the new canoe under the breadfruit tree papiti south pacific some young things were pitching french coppers so earnestly they didn't read my face some were not seafaring at that moment while most of them evidently ate more than was good for them which might result disastrously in a canoe cruise and i set my heart against them the afternoon was waning, and my ill-luck seemed to urge upon me the necessity of my constituting a temporary press-gang for the kidnapping of the required article. "'Who is anxious to go to sea with me?' I bawled, returning through the crowd of young gamblers, all intently disinterested in everything but pitch and toss. Not far away a group of wandering minstrels, such as make musical the shores of Tahiti, sat in the middle of the street, chanting. One youth played with considerable skill upon a joint of bamboo, of the flute species, but breathed into from the nostrils instead of the lips. Three or four minor notes were piped at uncertain intervals, playing an impromptu variation upon the air of the singers. Drawing near, the music was suspended, and I proposed shipping one of the melodious vagabonds, whereupon the entire chorus expressed a willingness to accompany me in any capacity whatever, remarking at the same time that they were a body bound, so to speak, by chords of harmony, and any proposal to disband them would, by it, be regarded as highly absurd. Then I led the solemn procession of volunteers to my canoe, and we regarded it in silence. It was something larger than a pea-pod, to be sure, but about the shape of one. After a moment of deliberation, during which a great throng of curious spectators had assembled, the orchestra declared itself in readiness to ship before the paddle for the trifling consideration of seventeen dollars. I knew the vague notion that money is money, call it dollar or dime, generally entertained by the innocent children of nature, and dazzling the unaccustomed eyes of the flutist with a new two-franc piece, he immediately embarked. The bereaved singers sat on the shore and lifted up their voices in resounding discord as the canoe slid off into the still waters, and my crew, with commendable fortitude, laid down the nose-flute, took up the paddle, and we began our canoe cruise. The frail thing glided over the waves as though invisible currents were sweeping her into the hereafter. The shore seemed to recede, drawing the low, thatched houses into deeper shadow. 
other canoes skimmed over the sea like great water bugs while the sun set beyond the sharp outlines of beautiful moria glorifying it and us there was a small islet not far away an islet as fair and fragrant as a bouquet looking just then like a moat in a sheet of flame thither i directed the reformed flutist and then let myself relapse into the all-embracing quietness that succeeds nearly every vexation that flesh is heir to there was something soothing in the nature of my crew he sat with his back to me a brown back that glistened in the sun and arched itself from time to time cat-like as though it was very good to be brown and bare and shiny from the waist to the feet fell the resplendent folds of a baru, worn by all Tahitians of every possible age and sex, and consisted, in this case, of a thin breadth of cloth stamped with a deep blue firmament, in which supernaturally yellow suns were perpetually setting in several spots. A round head topped his chubby shoulders, and was shaven from the neck to the crown with a matted forelock of the blackness of darkness falling to the eyes and keeping the sun out of them. One ear was enlivened with a crescent of beaten gold, which decoration, having been won at pitch and toss, will probably never again in the course of human events meet with its proper mate. On the whole, he looked just a little bit like a fantail pigeon with its wings plucked. At this point, my crew suddenly rose in the bows of the canoe, making several outlandish flourishes with his broad paddle. I was about to demand the occasion of his sudden insanity when we began to grate over some crumbling substance that materially impeded our progress and suggested all sorts of disagreeable sensations, such as knife-grinding in the next yard, saw-filing round the corner, etc. It was as though we were careering madly over a multitude of fine-tooth combs with that caution which is inseparable from canoe cruising in every part of the known world i leaned over the side of my personal property and penetrated the bewildering depths of the coral sea were we i asked myself suspended about two feet above a garden of variegated cauliflowers or were the elements wafting us over a minute winter forest whose fragile boughs were loaded with prismatic crystals the scene was constantly changing now it seemed a disordered bed of roses pink and white with orange presently we were floating in the air looking down upon a thousand domed mosque pale in the glamour of the oriental moon and then a wilderness of bowers presented itself bowers whose fixed leaves still seemed to quiver in the slight ripple of the sea blossoming for a moment in showers of buds purple and green and gold, but fading almost as soon as born. I could scarcely believe my eyes when these tiny, though marvelously brilliant, fish shot suddenly out from some lace-like structure, each having the lurid and flame-like beauty of sulphurous fire, and all turning instantly, in sudden consternation, at finding us so near, and secreting themselves in the coral pavilion that amply sheltered them among the delicate anatomy of these frozen ferns our light canoe was crashing on its way i saw the fragile structures overwhelmed with a single blow from the young savage who stood erect propelling us onward amid the general ruins 
with my thumb and finger i annihilated the laborious monuments of centuries and saw havoc and desolation in our wake there in one of god's reef-walled and cliff-sheltered aquaria we drifted while the sky and sea were glowing with the final triumphant gush of sunset radiance fefe at last broke the silence with an interrogation well how you feel fefe i replied i feel as though i were some good and faithful bee sinking into a sphere of amber for a sleep of a thousand years Fefe gave a deep-mouthed and expressive grunt as he laid his brown profile against the sunset sky, thereby displaying his solitary earring to the best advantage, and with evident personal satisfaction. "'And how do you feel, Fefe?' I asked. He was mum for a moment, arched his back like any wholesome animal when the sun has struck clean through it, ejaculated an ejaculation with his tongue and teeth that cannot possibly be spelled in english and thereupon his nostril quivered spasmodically and was only comforted by the immediate application of his nose flute through which dulcet organ he confessed his deep and otherwise unutterable joy i blessed him for it though there were but three notes all told and those minors and a trifle flat Fefe's impassioned soul having subsided, we both looked over to the beautiful Maria nine miles away. How her peaks shone like steel, and her valleys looked full of sleep, while here and there one golden ray lingered for a moment to put the final touch to a fruit it was ripening, or a flower it was painting, for they each have their perfect work allotted to them, and they don't leave it half-completed.' it was just the hour that harmonizes everything in nature and when there is no possible discord in all the universe the fishes were baptizing themselves by immersion in space and kept leaping into the air like momentary inches of chain lightning our islet swam before us spiritualized suspended as it were above the sea ready at any moment to fade away the waves had ceased beating upon the reef the clear low notes of a bell vibrating from the shore called us to prayer fefe knew it and was ready so was i and with bare heads and souls utterly at peace we gave our hearts to god for the time being then came the hum of voices and the rustle of renewed life on we pressed towards our islet under the increasing shadows of the dusk a sloping beach received us the young cocoa palms embraced one another with fringed branches through green and endless corridors we saw the broad disk of the full moon hanging above the hill fefe at once chose a palm and having ascended to its summit cast down its fruit descending he planted a stake in the earth and striking a nut against its sharpened top soon laid open the fibrous husk with which a fire was kindled taking two peeled nuts in his hands he struck one against the other and laid open the skull of it a clear sort of scalping that aroused me to enthusiasm there is one end of a coconut skull as delicate as a baby's and a well-directed tap does the business possibly the same result would follow with those of infants of the right age twins for instance Fefe agrees with me in this theory, now first given to the public. 
then followed much talk on many topics over our tropical supper said supper consisting of seaweed salad patent self-stuffing banana sausages and coconut hash we argued somewhat also but in south pacific fashion which would surely spoil if imported i only remember and will record that fefe regarded the nose flute as a triumph of art and considered himself no novice in musical science as applicable to nose flutes in a land where there is scarcely a nose without its particular flute and many a flute is silent forever because its special nose is laid among the dust having eaten i proposed sleeping on the spot and continuing the cruise at dawn why should we return to the world and its cares when the sea invites us to its isles nature will feed us in that blessed land clothing has not yet been discovered let us away i cried at this juncture voices came over the sea to us voices chanting like sirens upon the shore instinctively fefe's nose flute resumed its tremulo and i knew the day was lost come said the little rascal as though he were captain and i the crew and he dragged me toward the skiff with terrific emphasis i commanded him to desist don't imagine i said that this is a modern bounty and that it is your duty to rise up in mutiny for the sake of dramatic justice nature never repeats herself therefore come back to camp but he would not come i knew i should lose my canoe unless i followed or should have to paddle home alone no easy task for one unaccustomed to it so i moodily embarked with him and having pushed off into deep water he sounded a note of triumph that was greeted with shouts on shore and i felt that my fate was sealed it had been my life dream to bid adieu to the human family with one or two exceptions to sever every tie that bound me to anything under the sun to live close to nature trusting her and getting trusted by her i explained all this to the young kanak who was in a complete state of insurrection but failed to subdue him overhead the air was flooded with hazy moonlight the sea looked like one immeasurable drop of quicksilver and upon the summit of this luminous sphere our shallop was mysteriously poised a faint wind was breathing over the sea fefe erected his paddle in the bows placed against it a broad mat that constituted part of my outfit for that new life of which i was defrauded and on we sped like a belated sea-bird seeking its mossy nest beneath us slept the infinite creations of another world gleaming from the dark bosom of the sea with an unearthly pallor and seeming to reveal something of the forbidden mysteries that lie beyond the grave la petite poulon whispered fefe as he arched his back for the last time and stepped on shore at the foot of this singular rendezvous a narrow lane threading the groves of pepiti bordered by wine-shops bakeries and a convent wall lit at night by smoky lanterns hanging motionless in the dead air of the town and thronged from seven p m till ten p m by people from all quarters of the globe fefe having resumed his profession as soon as his bare foot was on his native heath again the minstrels moved in a hollow square through the centre of la petite poulon 
they were rendering some tahitian madrigal a three-part song the solo or first part of which being got safely through with a single stanza it was repeated as a duo and so re-repeated through simple addition with a gradually increasing chorus the nose flute meantime getting delirious and sounding its finale in an ecstasy prolonged to the point of strangulation when the whole unceremoniously terminated and everybody took a rest and a fresh start during these performances the audience was dense and demonstrative pepe was in his element sitting with his best side to the public and flaunting his ear-ring mightily a dance followed a dance always follows in that land of light hearts and as one after another was ushered into the arena and gave his or her body to the interpretation of such songs as would startle christian ears albeit there be some christian hearts less tender and christian lips less true to my surprise fefe abandoned his piping and dancing before me and then came a flash of intuition rather late it is true but still useful as an explanatory supplement to my previous vexations fefe i gasped fefe is the tahitian for elephantiasis and my fefe raised his or her skirts and danced with a shocking leg i really can't tell you what fefe was you never can tell by the name he might have been a boy or she might have been a girl all the time i don't know that it makes any particular difference to me what it was but i cannot encourage elephantiasis in anything and therefore i concluded my naval engagement with fefe and solemnly walked toward my chamber scarcely a block off the music followed me to my door with a song of some kind or other but the real nature of which i was too sensitive to definitely ascertain gazelle-eyed damsels with star-flowers dangling from their ears obstructed the way the gendarme regarded me with an eye single to france and french principles mariners arrayed in the blue of their own sea and the white of their own breakers bore down upon us with more than belonged to them men of all colours went to and fro like mad creatures women followed children careered hither and thither wild shouts rent the air there was an intoxicating element that enveloped all things the street was by no means straight though it could scarcely have been narrower the waves staggered up the beach and reeled back again the moon leered at us looking blear-eyed as she leaned against a cloud and half-nude bodies lay here and there in dark corners steeped to the toes in rum out of this human maelstrom whose fatal tide was beginning to sweep me on with it i made a plunge for my doorknob and caught it twenty besetting sins sought to follow me covered with wreaths and fragrant with sandalwood oil twenty besetting sins rather pleasant to have around one because by no means as disagreeable as they should be fefe was there also and i turned to address him a parting word a word calculated to do its work in a soil particularly mellow. Fefe, I said, how can I help regarding it as a dispensation of providence that your one leg is considerably bigger than your other? 
how can i expect you with your assorted legs to walk in that straight and narrow way wherein i have frequently found it inconvenient to walk myself to say nothing of the symmetry of my own extremities therefore adieu child of the south with your one earring and your pianoforte leg adieu forever and with that i closed my door upon the scene and strove to bury myself in oblivion behind the white window-shade in vain the shadow with the moustache and goatee still pursued the shadow with the flowing locks that fled too slowly voices faint though audible indulged in allusions more or less profane and with a success which would be considered highly improper in any latitude thus sinking into an unquiet sleep with a dream of canoe cruising in a coral sea whose pellucid waves sang sadly upon the remote shores of an ideal sphere across the window loomed the gigantic shadow of some brown beauty whose vast proportions suggested nothing more lovely than a new sphinx with a cabbage in either ear End of chapter ten